Tonight, congestion pricing. Starting next spring, driving into Manhattan is going to cost you. And with the MTA's future in the balance, a debate on the pros and cons of this controversial plan as Metro Focus starts right now. This is Metro Focus with Raphael P. Roman, Jack Ford, and Jenna Flanagan. Metro Focus is made possible by the Peter G. Peterson and Joan Gans Cooney Fund, Philemon M. D'Agostino Foundation, Barbara Hope Zuckerberg, and by Jody and John Arnhold, Bernard and Denise Schwartz, Dr. Robert C. and Tina Sohn Foundation, the Ambrose Monell Foundation, Estate of Roland Carlin. Good evening and welcome to Metro Focus. I'm Rafael P. Roman. New Yorkers have been hearing about congestion pricing for years, and starting next spring, that seismic shift in the city's transportation landscape is set to become a reality. If it does, drivers going to certain parts of Manhattan will have to pay for the privilege. But there are still many details that need to be worked out before the policy goes into effect. For example, how much will motorists be charged? Who, if anyone, will be exempted from paying? And where exactly will the revenues from congestion pricing go to? And joining us now to discuss and debate this hot issue are Staten Island Borough President Vito Fosella, who is opposed to the congestion pricing plan, New York City public advocate Yumani Williams, who supports it, and journalist Ben Max, who has been covering the story from every angle as host of the Max Politics podcast. Welcome, all of you. It's a pleasure to have you here, as always. Um, so, 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 Ben, let me start with you. I wonder if you could give us uh, some of the basic facts about the congestion pricing plan. Um, I know they haven't been finalized, as I said, but to, to the degree that you know. Uh, for example, exactly what part of Manhattan uh, will it cost more to drive into under the plan? Uh, how much will it cost? Um, and what are the expected benefits that congestion pricing will bring to the city? So we're still waiting on some of the details, as you mentioned, and there's a board in charge of setting some of the rates, and they could be quite variable. There's a lot of different ways to design a program like this, but they are expecting the toll to be somewhere between $9 and $23, with a lot of vari variation within that that could be based on time of day, day of the week, type of vehicle, and much more. That's still to be determined. The toll will be in place in Manhattan, south of 61st Street, so starting at 60th Street and southward. It will not uh, catch drivers on the east or west side highways, the FDR or the west side highway, but once uh, drivers enter that sort of core of the Manhattan Business District, it will uh, charge them either through their easy pass or by sending a bill in the mail based on the, the registration. In terms of the benefits that are expected, it is aimed to first and foremost, produce revenue to help the MTA with its capital plan going towards mass transit, especially, but also other uses uh, for the MTA. And then also less congestion, less traffic, uh, helping those drivers that do wind up on the road to move a little quicker, and especially to help the buses move along as well and with less traffic and less congestion, cleaner air uh, for people to breathe and more space uh, to get around. 
Well, one quick question. Um, the people who live within the, the, the area, um, are they exempt or, or if they go in and out, will they have to pay as far as we know? So there are dozens and dozens of requests for the board that's in charge of coming up with the details to provide exemptions. So we're still waiting to see what the full exemption system is going to be. There's a lot of voices who want exemptions, and then there's a lot of voices who say the more exemptions you give, the higher the overall toll is going to be for those who pay it. So inside the zone right now, we expect that people will get rebates if they make $60,000 a year or less. And that's all we know right now in terms of uh, otherwise people will have to pay once they uh, come back into the zone. Okay. Now, Borough President Fasella, you are one of the players, one of the key players, still hoping that this will never come to pass. Uh, you're still fighting it. But if, as promised, it reduces the, the plan, reduces congestion, improves air quality while reducing the city's carbon footprint, and creates a dedicated source of funding for public transportation, why do you want to stop it? So just a little history, I think, has to be in order, and that is um, Staten Island, if one looks at the MTA sort of system-wide map, you'll, you'll get a glaring illustration. Uh, the city and the region is very much uh, has a solid footprint of subway systems, Metro North, Long Island Railroad. And on Staten Island, uh, you have like a little train that goes from St. George to Tottenville. And I use that to say that over the years, 30, 40, 50, the MTA really has not made the adequate investments in Staten Island uh, for mass transit options for Staten Island residents and commuters, which is why Staten Islanders are so car dependent, right? And currently, uh, if you work in Manhattan and you don't have an option of a bus or a Staten Island ferry, for example, you have to drive. And you have to pay a toll on the Verrazano Bridge, and you often have to pay a toll at the Hugh Carey Tunnel. So we remain the only borough in the city of New York that you have to pay a toll to go on and off the island in every direction. Uh, but more specific here, um, with respect to this plan, the MTA was required to do a study on a number of different, uh, let's call them dangerous gases and toxins. And in each one of them, they had to do a baseline for the year 2023, let's call it 2024, and then project out to the year 2045. In each instance, the air pollution on Staten Island will get worse under the proposed congestion pricing plan, and traffic will get worse, according to their own study. So if you back up a step, we have to pay once, twice, and now a third time. They're going to decrease the quality of air for many people on Staten Island, and uh, it's going to increase traffic. So to us, it's a lose, lose, lose situation. And that's why, frankly, uh, we, we don't want it to succeed in its current form. Now, Public Advocate Williams, I'd like you to respond to what uh, the borough president just said, especially to his basic point, which seems to be that that congestion pricing isn't going to eliminate congestion or air pollution. It's only going to redistribute it to Staten Island and others argue to poor neighborhoods, mostly poorer neighborhoods of color around the city. Um, tell us why. Tell us your, your thoughts on that. Well, you know, I'm, I'm proud to have been supporting this. Uh, I'm thankful that it's, it's gained some popularity, but it, even when it first came out, when I was a council member, not so much, but I was still supporting it even then, even though I come from a car-centric family and represent a car-centric district and still drive my car, uh, I understand that we as a city are very car-centric. 
Um, but we also are a city that doesn't want so much uh, congestion and gets mad at congestion, gets mad at the traffic, get mad we don't have money for mass transit, and we're beginning to get mad at what's happening in climate change. And so what I've seen and, and what I know from, from people in general is they want things to change, they just don't usually want it to change around them. And so uh, it's very important that we take all these things and try to make sure that we do the change as equitably as possible. Uh, I don't want to speak for the borough president, but my guess would be that the borough president would not support any congestion plan, regardless of what the uh, the um, studies show. And he can correct me if I'm wrong. And that's because there are people who just don't want it to happen. I will say in terms of Staten Islanders, I do think there should be a particular discount that is for Staten Islanders because of that Verizon Bridge. But again, as we said earlier, when you start giving exemptions, that loophole gets very, very large. Um, and for the reasons that I mentioned at the top of, the, of my response, we have to move forward with this. But I, too, have had some reservations and hope when the answers and the full response comes from the MTA, they would have addressed some of the issues that you're bringing up, particularly the ones that say that we may have some redistribution of higher uh, traffic in particularly black, brown working uh, communities of people who are trying to avoid the toll, because that's something that we don't want to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, but we can't slow this down because of all the things that we spoke about before, and it's a time that has come in way past its time. Uh, Mr. Frisella, would you like to respond? Would you be against any plan, wh whatever the study said? I, I think that's sort of a too broad of a blanket statement. Um, because under the right set of circumstances, who knows? I, I might be open to it, uh, but we don't have a choice right now. Uh, and I want to just expand upon what I said before, and that is we have issues with asthma and uh, respiratory illnesses that are documented by the City Department of Health, among others, that these areas in Staten Island are already uh, worse than in most of the city, and they will project it to get worse. So I, I just don't sort of get it. Now, fast forward, and this is my experience, now I'm going to just go out on a limb and, and predict what I think would happen, is what will happen if this if this gets into play and the, and the MTA gets its money, it will take the position that we have to invest in existing infrastructure and double down. And I'm not being critical of them for wanting to do this, by the way, or wanting the money, uh, but they will prioritize existing train routes, existing subway systems, existing whatever, and once again, Staten Island doesn't have much of that. So whenever the money comes out, we're not going to see it. So we're going to pay for it. It's going to get worse. Uh, and as I mentioned, it's going to, and you, you sort of alluded to it, it will, they're, they're saying traffic on Staten Island, which is already bad, <laughs> traffic on Staten Island will get worse. So how in good conscience under the set of circumstances should we intentionally say we're okay with it? Yeah. Um, and I, I just don't see... Now, for example, in other parts of the city where they recognize there may be issues with with um, the air quality, there's been mitigation. There's been money that's been sort of spread around. We haven't seen a penny, nor we promised a penny. Yeah. So on so yeah. many different levels, uh, we feel very strongly that this current plan does not benefit the people of Staten Island uh, in its form. Mr. Williams, a, a lot of the people who support uh, congestion pricing have the same concern that Mr. Fasella just uh, outlined, and I think you you do as well, that the money is not, in effect, sent to those uh, transportation deserts like Staten Island, and, and many poor neighborhoods are also transportation deserts, and some poor neighborhoods aren't transportation deserts, but they need they need extra help. And, and even some of the MTA board members are concerned about that. How do you address that? 
we absolutely do have some of those concerns and and even uh, places like the Bronx that have some of the highest asthma rates in the entire country. Uh, and I come from a district that also is a transportation stall, though I would say not as much Staten Island. There are some very legitimate concerns about uh, the mass transit in Staten Island that is correct. Uh, now, I would say, though, I would love for, you know, the bar president and others to, to have, you know, to say if there is a plan that you could possibly support, well, what does that look like? Because maybe we can aim toward that if what I'm saying is too broad. What are the set of circumstances that would make it acceptable? And maybe we can we can start from there. And there is a concern of where the money is going to go and not go. Those things are always concerned. But what we do know right now is that we cannot accept the way traffic patterns are in New York City and what comes with that and the lack of investment in mass transit. And I also want to add the vast majority of people and sometimes we conflate things, that go into the city um, every single day, do that by mass transit because they can't afford a vehicle and they can't afford to pay the parking. And so I just want to be clear on who we're talking about because sometimes those issues get conflated. And uh, you know, if you can drive in, you know, there may have to be an additional fee for that privilege of being able to drive in during the day of peak times when you don't necessarily have to. Now, there's a few people who might, and so I do want to be clear about that, but the vast majority of folks who do not. Now, now Mr. Fasella, according to the MTA itself, according to officials of the MTA, um, the MTA has been losing more than $600 million a year because of out-of-control fare beating in the subways and the buses. Uh, and do you agree with those who argue that the MTA should not get one extra penny of, of, of revenue, whether from congestion pricing or anything else, until the MTA deals with this, along with the Manhattan DA and the NYPD? I think it's a very, very fair point. In other words, you, you, let's not use the MTA, but you, you have somebody who comes to you and says, I need $100, uh, and they've wasted 90 and they keep asking you for more money, and you say, you know, time out. <laughs> Why don't you just try to get the money that you're, you're owed already before you come back to me to ask me for more money? And, and I appreciate where the public advocate is coming from, at least, and, you know, tell us the plan you want. We, stid, we sit here today. The MTA, other than, hey, uh, you know, just a couple of conversations, they haven't asked us what we want to develop. They haven't asked us to scope out this plan. They know what they want to do. Uh, they have it in their mind of what they're going to do. And frankly, as of now, and I, I represent a half a million people of uh, Staten Island, I haven't get, been given one reason to to support this on on their behalf. And and you point, you make a very valid point of why would you go after seeking more money when there's a bunch of money sitting on the table? And by the way, if fare evasion continues, they'll say, well, we're going to get all this money from congestion pricing. So fair evasion is less of a uh, priority because we know where they get this money. And I would predict, I don't like making predictions, but here I'll predict that whatever the initial cost is, the, the fee will jump dramatically over the next five to 10 years. Uh, Mr. Williams, what's your take on, uh, on, the, on the money that's, that, that the MTA is losing because of uh, fair beating? Well, I also, I also want to be clear that we lose money from cars who don't pay tolls as well. We sometimes just focus on mass transit, but we did, there's a lot of uh, money lost uh, from the transportation system that we should try to secure. But I, I want to be clear, mass transit is a service. And so we should be trying to figure out how we reduce uh, the need for people to pay, particularly working people. This city does not operate. Businesses do not succeed 
if we do not have a mass transit. And so we should be trying to figure out how do we increase fair fares? How do we decrease the fares that particularly working class and poor folks have to pay because sometimes they can't afford it? And that's a discussion that we should be having, not how do we make sure we're getting people to pay more for mass transit. And one of the ways that we can do that is by investing, uh, because uh, you know, right now, most of our infrastructure and, and conversations are around vehicles and cars, which carry the least amount of people, uh, harm the most people, and have the most protection. Mm -hmm. And that has the most infrastructure. And so that's something we have to think about. And I'm saying that as a driver and mm -hmm. someone who comes from a, a car-centric uh, space in the city. But we have to look at this from a bird's-eye view. And the bird's-eye view is congestion pricing is what is helping. Well, Mr. Me. Williams, let, let's talk about congestion itself. Um, one of your Democratic colleagues, a Brooklyn Council member, uh, Justin Brannon, uh, made the point recently that congestion in Manhattan uh, before COVID in 2019, when when the law was passed in Albany, the congestion pricing was a lot different than congestion today after COVID. Um, he says that the biggest problem in Manhattan is repopulating it, the, the need to repopulate to get people back in the offices, get those businesses in Manhattan uh, working again, and that he fears that congestion pricing will have um, a disincentive, will create a disincentive for people to go back to work in Manhattan. And that he's suggesting a pause on this, your response. Now that hasn't happened in other cities in the world that have done this. And I would push back, if you go to Manhattan, you'll see you'll see some pretty, pretty uh, much some congestion when it comes to cars. And I would add, and this is part of the conversation, you know, Uber and Lyft were a huge part of pushing that congestion. And I don't think that we're saying we're going to go back to five days a week, eight hours a day of people in offices. I think that we, that train has left and we're trying to figure out how we push hybrid so that everyone in uh, across the city from Manhattan to Brooklyn to Staten Island uh, can succeed locally and in the city. I, but I think it would be hard sell to say that there's not congestion in the city oh. uh, and what those fumes bring, as well as there's not the need for the money that will come uh, to be put into mass transit system. And but I think ben, the, I, I, mass transit, the more you have people riding. Let me get to Ben. Now, maybe you have facts and figures. I don't want to throw this at you, Ben, but maybe well, you have facts and figures of com contrasting the congestion in Manhattan compared before or after COVID. But I can tell you from my perspective, I think there's a lot more congestion in the part of Brooklyn that I live in, the, uh, the, the Prospect Heights, Park Slope area. Um, than there is where the station is located in Midtown Manhattan. That's my. That's what I've seen. Well, I I can say I don't know about exactly certain um, certain zones or or certain geographies, but I can say that the data certainly shows that driving around the city and into the city is back at or even above pre-pandemic levels because there are people who got used to driving for whatever reasons during the more you know pandemic times and have continued to do so, or people have concerns about uh, mass transit that have led them to driving, or there's more of the four hire vehicles, even more and more. So those numbers are back up. So I, I don't think council member Brandon's uh, point holds a lot of water in terms of the congestion. Although if you're trying to you know enhance economic activity, perhaps you don't want to create any disincentives there, but part of the point of congestion pricing is to say, if you absolutely, necessarily have to drive, you will have a quicker trip to where you have to go. Now it's going to cost you a little bit of money, but they are estimating, and I don't, this number sounds way too high to me, but they're estimating a roughly 15% reduction in traffic in the congestion zone. Now I would be shocked if that comes to fruition, but even a, 
even an eight to 10% reduction would be immense. Just real quick on a couple other things that were said. I think both the public advocate and the borough president have hit on some really important points that get to the fact that the state, the MTA, and the city are simply just not doing enough of the things they could be doing to prepare the city for a congestion pricing program. Now, there's questions to be discussions to be had on Staten Island about what are you willing to do to increase bus ridership and bus speeds? How do you get more people on the Staten Island Ferry, which it wasn't mentioned is free, by the way, uh, which is an important point, right, that the city provides that service for free. And I love riding it and I ride it. But, um, you know, that that's part of this discussion, too. How do you adjust things both for Staten Islanders and others in the city to encourage more mass transit use? and show people that this program is actually going to have the benefits that people want it to have. Right now, it's a lot of quiet on that front, and that's why you get more and more people concerned about what's this program going to mean. Now, ben, staying with you, and I, I want to move on to another topic. Uh, in July, Governor Murphy of New Jersey sued the federal government over New York's congestion pricing plan, a plan which both Democrats and Republicans oppose in New Jersey, politicals, politicians oppose in New Jersey because of the effect it has on New Jersey commuters coming into Manhattan to work mostly. Um, why is the governor suing the federal government over this instead of Albany or instead of the MTA? What are the complaints of the suit? What do they, what's the remedy they seek? Do you know? I don't have all the the legal arguments at my fingertips, but I know that because the federal government has given the final sign off on the program and that was what really moved it ahead, I believe that's the strategy. It also could relate to, you know, getting certain friendly venues in courts, which is obviously a, strat a legal strategy. So um, but 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 I know the federal, you know, the federal approval that came down was really that that last big hurdle, barring the lawsuits that are now in place. Very quickly, I also wanted to add to the discussion from earlier about the MTA and the and the finances. Most of the, the money from congestion pricing is supposed to go to the capital plan, which, as the borough president was saying, is, is for upkeep, uh, but also a lot of resignaling of, of the subways that are you know existing. And, and part of the reason this passed is because the city and the state were having so much trouble actually funding the MTA capital plan. My final point was only that there are real discussions to be had about how wasteful the MTA is on both the capital and the operating side. And that should be part of this discussion as well. No question about it, as the MTA is bringing in billions more for its capital plan, very important projects. There's lots of evidence that the MTA is very wasteful. Okay. I support uh, that. Absolutely. Now, Mr. Fasella, staying on lawsuits in July, you also said that you were planning to to sue this in your case the MTA uh, over this congestion pricing. What's the status of that lawsuit, and what do you hope to achieve with uh, it? Yeah, we are uh, still pursuing it. Those of you, uh, those who've seen it, the study is almost five thousand uh, pages. So we've been going through it to basically identify what we think are our strongest legal arguments. And um, it's just a couple of things that, that pop up and it's a very uh, useful conversation to have. I think the people of Staten Island and the region would, would, would benefit from more conversations like this, frankly. Um, you know, many years ago in the South Shore of Staten Island, I go back 30 years, the fastest growing area in the state of New York, and yet there were no express buses. And when we then at the time cried for more service, we were told we don't have capacity. We said, we'll build a bus depot. And it took years and years and years of pulling teeth just to get a bus depot to accommodate. 
Now, the people of Staten Island, especially on the South Shore, have some of the longest commutes in the country. And the reason why they have some of the longest commutes in the country is because they don't have mass transit options. The mass transit options should be provided by the MTA, and it's failed to do that. So I like, get back full circle. Why would we encourage and support an entity that has denied Staten Island adequate options all these years? And even to the point, a very valid point about the Staten Island Ferry being free, um, that was implemented again almost 30 years ago. That's run by the city, Department of Transportation. That is not the, uh, the MTA at all. So we have we have been given no assurances whatsoever that something is going to come and is going to benefit us, if you will. The Verrazano Bridge toll now, which was implemented in 1964, is now one of the highest tolls in the United States. Couple that with the Hugh Carey toll, tunnel, couple it with the new congestion fee. You're going to drive people from Staten Island out. And I would add one more thing. Congestion, it should be congestion in this area of Manhattan. Staten Island Expressway is a parking lot most of the day because of inadequate capital investment. So so now we have congestion, but it doesn't matter, right? So nobody's coming to us and saying, hey, how can we help you reduce your congestion? We just have to take it. And on so many different levels, uh, we just have no reason to support this new plan. So, Mr. Fasella, just want one quick question. If the lawsuit doesn't work in stopping this, it doesn't look like anything is likely to stop it, realistically. Uh, if you have no other arrows in your quiver to stop this, what, what's what's the alternative? What, what's your game plan? I would hope uh, at this point that the MTA or somebody uh, who's going to develop this plan uh, steps forward and say, you know what? We reviewed our own study and we realized that Richmond County, otherwise known as Staten Island, is the only county in the region that's going to see a dramatic decrease in the quality of their air, not just in 2023, but will get worse by 2045. Uh, We see in our own study that Staten Island's traffic will get worse in 2023 and will get even worse over the next 22 years. Maybe we should sit down with the people of Staten Island and figure out a way to make it better or to bring them on okay. board. Mr. Fizzle, we haven't I, heard I, that. Okay, I, I want to get uh, uh, Mr. Williams in. Your last point, what are you going to be looking at if this is implemented to make sure it's working in about 20 seconds? Well, I, I'm looking for actually to, to respond to actually some of the things that the borough president has uh, brought up, which, you know, there are some valid points there. And they haven't invested, as you mentioned, in Staten Island, and that should be part of the conversation, and they should be speaking to Staten Island, so that's clear. My hope is that they do that. They answer some of the questions that we've had. But from my point of view, we can't slow down on congestion pricing because we, okay. we're going to have to end it there because we're out of time. Thank you all. It's been a very useful discussion. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Have a good night.